Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just a reminder that if you have not yet subscribed to the series, then please do. We can be found on iTunes or SoundCloud or most other podcasting and podcatching services under the Cinema Catch-Up Club. We're also available on Facebook. If you want to leave us a message or a review of your own, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. And likewise, we have a Patreon. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash podcast, sign up and become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies. But for now, here is this week's episode. Hello everybody and welcome the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're bringing a trilogy to a close. That's right, we are at the third and final film of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Return of the King. Joining me to review The Return of the King, we have, as always, two guests, uh, one of whom has been here for her first ever journey into Middle-earth, and it's concluding tonight, Rihanna Hall. Hello again. So, Re, uh, one last time, we're going to jump into Middle-earth. We are. Uh, how are you feeling ahead of it? Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to um, seeing what the end of the story is, what the end of the trilogy is, and um, yeah, seeing what happens in this next one. All right, it's um, it, it it should be a, an interesting one because um, I was thinking about it heading into today's episode because I feel as though we've sort of talked up the other two films mm. in the previous podcast. Not our other guests haven't really gone. Oh, but you just wait till Return of the King. Not not to say that it's a bad film, yeah. but I feel as though maybe we ha- it's one we haven't really touched on. That's it. I think this is the one that I don't really know anything about like whatsoever all the memes have been done now yeah yeah that's it all the memes have happened you know (laughs) what else have i got you know to look for (laughs) you've got a film which won 11 oscars that's what we're looking at today Ah, this is the the big yeah the the mm, big winner yeah uh and joining us to help us uh get get across that final step through gondor and to mordor itself we have mr daniel buckle Oh, the Danduin River, as I will be called. <clears throat> Sorry. No, no, that's that's okay, Dan. Uh, now, you're here because you, uh, as you've just identified, are a fan of The Lord of the Rings. Oh, I am super, super big fan. And you even have a little bit of a waft of New Zealand coming off you. Because... I do. I've just come back from New Zealand, yeah. Mm. So, how, how was New Zealand? Oh, gorgeous. Um, I didn't go to almost any of the... Lord of the Rings parts, which except, um, sounds surprising considering you were in New Zealand. Oh, right. Well, I, I would have. The tour schedule, unfortunately, didn't allow for that. But um, uh, I did go a little bit on part on, on like one of the rivers that they filmed some things on. Mm. Not in any of the areas, but technically it's the same body of water. Okay, <laughs> good. Uh, Return of the King. That's the film mm. we're watching today. Sure is. Um, in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way... <sighs> What can Rihanna be uh, expecting from this final instalment? Tears of joy, rage, sadness. And of Minas Tirith itself. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Tears of a city. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, uh, it's, it's bloody long. Yeah. It's super long. Great. <laughs> there are a lot of different endings. There are like four different endings, one after the other. Oh, so okay. as soon as you think the film's over, 
Strap yourself oh. in because there's more to go. That's right. maybe the one remaining okay. meme we haven't touched on. That's yeah, 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 exactly. Is the the fact that the film when well, it... and another one, uh, which I won't which I won't talk about because it's vaguely spoilery. But um, but one of Tolkien's favourite solutions to problems. Oh yes, mm. yes. We'll we'll get on to that as Indeed. well. Uh, but yeah, so so we're expecting a lot of tears and we're expecting. Mm-hmm. Length like this. This is the yeah. longest of the films, both in its theatrical release and in its extended edition. Um, and I feel like it feels the longest as well. Yeah, oh, goody. Well, well, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan. Yes, but I yeah. I also appreciate that this one takes its time. Right. But it's also trying to wrap everything up. You've got it, that's why it takes its time. There, it's too there much. There is to wrap a up. lot to wrap up. Yeah. So. and we we also have like new characters we get introduced to in this yeah. film as well. Why would you have new characters this late in the piece, Tolkien? No. Why would you do it? Because <laughs> he's a fan, but he's not the best writer. <laughs> um, excellent. So yes, uh, looking forward very much to uh, hearing the review. Uh, I should also yeah. point out we actually have a third guest uh, mm. technically on today's podcast. Um, a couple of nights ago, uh, I was very fortunate enough to get to interview someone who was involved in the making of the film. Shut up. Uh, I was able to interview um, a stunt performer who worked <gasps> on all three films. No! Whoa. Yes, uh, by the name of Marcello Vullian. Uh, so he... Sounds like a stunt person. That is super cool. Yes, uh, it was a really lovely interview. We'll be playing an excerpt of it later in the podcast, listeners, so keep an ear out for that. Uh, but yes, uh, he is probably best known... Uh, I can give you this, because uh, he stunt performed for various characters, but he was stunt Gandalf in the <gasps> in the wizard battle in all things. No, yes, no. stunt Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you, if you want to hear a, an excerpt of that interview, that'll be coming up later in the program. Uh, but for now, shall we watch Return of the King? I think we should. We have elected the way of pain. I'll take that as a yes. Uh, okay, and for those of you at home, pop in your DVDs and um, maybe put on a diaper. This is a really long film. Yeah, We're yeah. in for the long haul. Actually, yeah. I, I may need to go potty beforehand. Mm. And during. Uh, but yes, uh, pop on that <laughs> diaper as we watch Lord of the Rings Return of the King. back everybody we have just finished watching the return of the king the third and final film in the lord of the rings trilogy i'm joined once again by daniel buckle hello and rihanna hall hello re you've done it i've done it you've watched the lord of the rings trilogy (laughs) i feel like i have just i don't know i had like a lifetime accomplishment Mm. i didn't think i would i would ever do it and here i am well i mean it's it is a it is a big um in terms of like film trilogies it is Mm. kind of a big commitment because these are all longish films. Yes. And uh, on top of that, you have to talk about them for about 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour afterwards. Um, but what are your initial impressions of The Return of the King? I thought it was a very good way to end the the series, I suppose. Um, yeah, you got a lot of... There was a... It was almost like the one that had the hardest work in it. I felt myself being tired for you know, our heroes in, in the film. So yeah. I felt like th- this one in itself was almost bigger than the overall journey. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a really good way to, to finish it. 
despite having about four four endings. Um, they were all very lovely in their own regard, and they all kind of gave you a sense of closure mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and yeah, just happiness for everyone. Well, yeah, I mean they've got to they've got to tie up a, a fair few ends. Yes, um, <laughs> but ultimately the the main the main thing is that the ring was destroyed it was spoilers i i was unsure for a while there when it was resting on the lava i was like oh come on now come on you gotta be just don't turn around and be like nothing can destroy me <laughs> yeah it was that, that little like scabby bit of rock floating <laughs> yeah. on top and you're just like oh no oh, that's natural insulation <laughs> oh. um but yes did at any point you think the quest uh did you think the quest was going to fail at any point I don't think so. I, I think I I don't know whether it's because I have left it so long to watch it and I feel like if it had a failed I would have heard so many people being like, Oh, it's so rubbish that it just doesn't finish mm. and it fails and yeah. I don't know, I always had faith. Mm. Well I mean this is a big story about faith. I think he, mm. even more so than the others, um Lord of the Rings aficionado, Daniel Buckle. Um <laughs> I mean I, I, just to, I've realised some credentials of yours that I missed out in the introduction. You actually have a Lord of the Rings themed tattoo. Oh yes, that is definitely a credential <laughs> which allows me to speak more authoritatively on it. Well, you, no, not in the slightest. You've burnt it into your skin. I'm, I'm yeah. counting that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've got, I've got uh, the Elven symbol for G, which uh, Gandalf uses as his signature. It's actually a very nice tattoo. It is very lovely. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Yes, no. It looks a bit like the USB symbol. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which a lot of people go, oh, why have you got the USB symbol on your wrist? And I go, huh, have you got 10 minutes? <laughs> you go, this is going to get nerdier than you thought. Um, so, Take a seat. <laughs> so, yes, Return of the King. Um, obviously, as a as a film, we were saying it has uh, the hardest job. Uh, in, in of the three films in terms of it's got to try and tie everything up satisfactorily. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. But how, how do you feel... What do you think of the strengths of this film? Because people love this film. Like, regardless of the fact that we've discussed earlier in this series about the fact that Two Towers is very popular and a lot of people really like The mm. Fellowship, it's not often people say Return of the King is their favourite. So I'm, I'm curious, what do you think are the actual big strengths of, of this film? Uh, well, um, it's interesting how you said, Ree, that um, you felt very tired by the, by the end of it mm. because you felt like you'd be on this long journey, not just... A long movie, but uh, mm. but like all the all the walking and all the tired acting and everything, <laughs> um, and I absolutely agree. And you felt that reading the book as well, um, also because it's a little bit boring. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think one of the strengths of this film is stuff like it has that battle sequence Oof. that goes for like an hour, About half the movie, something like yeah. that. It goes for <laughs> so long and. Um, I feel like these days we're a bit tired of, of those length battle scenes, but I think Return of the King was still before they'd overdone it. And I think it did it well. It paced it well and it took breaks to go to other scenes. And, uh, personally, I didn't feel like bored or tired of the battle as I often do with other things like Infinity War. Oh, the battles got boring. Um, (laughs) just so long and endless. Ended up getting so desensitized, but this one you really felt it. Um, even though that, like that battle on Pelennor Fields at Minas Tirith had like three separate battles. They had the the orcs, and then the Haradrim, and the Mumakil, and the Ro- Riders of Rohan, and the bloody ghosts. Um, it just kept going. 
but it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. So I think its strength lied in its pacing and its taking of breaks every now and then. Mm. I, I agree, and I actually think this battle, uh, this this battle of Pelennor Fields, is better paced than the Helm's Deep battle. Now that's not to say it's a better battle, but I feel as though with Helm's Deep the cutaways were all to the end mood. Yeah. They were to occasional bits of um, Frodo and Sam being pulled along by Faramir, that kind of thing. Mm. I feel as though all the cutaways within this kind of felt like they were serving more of a purpose. I mean, they all served a purpose to the story, but it felt, I felt they were better managed in this one. It was still mm. very much in the the zone, I suppose. Yeah, mm. and you weren't sort of breaking from it. Uh, and I, yeah, I didn't realise that the battle actually went for about an hour. Like, it, it was a long battle, but I think it needed to be. And mm. I think that you know, it gave you that sense of, you know, this is pretty realistic, to be honest, mm. of, you know, battles that have been had. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, and, and again, the difference that I feel uh, between the two, uh, Helm's Deep is very much trying to make you feel as though you have to survive the night. Mm. It's very much, you know, this is a do or die siege, whereas the battle for Minas Tirith is kind of like we're throwing all of our toys at this. Yeah. Um, so much so <laughs> that I actually feel that the battle that follows at the Black Gate kind of a nothing yeah. sequence really in a lot i mean i know they're there yes. just to distract yeah um sauron but at the same time i feel as though not not much really happens there aside from we're here you who look over here slash 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 you know that kind of thing yeah um and i, I think it's partly I, I think there's a couple of factors in there i think it's because the the eagles get brought in to deal with the ring rave so they never really get down onto the battlefield um and i also feel as though one of the things it suffers from is there's not really an obvious there's not really an obvious singular baddie in that battle so in the other battles you have like uh, Gothmog the the orc who's spitting on rocks and going the age of the orc is here <laughs> and you also have the yeah. that's actually pretty good <laughs> thank you and you have the you know the witch king of Angmar doing all his uh, all yeah. his business oh, he would be um, he'd be <laughs> <laughs> no Kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, those guys. Uh, you don't really have that figure in the final battle at Black Gate. You sort of do with the the leader of the of the Morgul trolls, uh, who yeah. fights Aragorn. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not really touched yeah. well, much. And all. and it's interesting because I think in the extended edition you have the mouth of Sauron, who doesn't technically take part in the battle. But when they go to the gate and knock mm. on the door and go, can Sauron come out to play? Yeah. This this disgusting looking creature with a giant mouth comes out and essentially um tells them oh yes we're gonna kick your ass and also we killed frodo because they have the mithril shirt so he throws them the mithril shirt and they're all like no and they're like well screw it we're still gonna fight yeah Um, now we're mad yeah and so it felt like cutting that scene whilst i understand they cut it for length Mm. it feels as though it lost some of the impetus with that battle yeah, I agree. Because yeah. yeah. in the book, it's very much a. There's no hope for them. They're all. They're all gonna die here. Yeah. Aragorn, Gandalf, everyone is gonna die there. On the off chance that maybe it'll help. And after, as you say, they think that uh, that Frodo's been captured and and maybe killed. Um, they still do it, which mm. lends it that fatalistic last charge. Whereas uh, with this um, movie version, without that, the cinematic uh, length one. 
um, it does feel a little bit like, oh, another battle where they'll probably just survive. Well, that's it. You kind of know that they know they're just wasting time and, you Mm. know, just trying to hold these guys off. Whereas, yeah, I feel like if there had have been the, we've killed Frodo, um, you know, you, for them, you kind of feel that they're, they're just there to Mm. end it as best they can even though they know they're gonna lose (laughs) one of the um bits that i encountered in the trivia troll which i'll throw in now Mm. was that originally in that battle it wasn't going to be the morgul troll it was going to be a physical embodiment of sauron himself oh i'm glad they didn't do that yeah (laughs) the the idea was going to be was that aragon was going to have that what that one-on-one fight it was going to be against essentially like sauron taking on a physical form and he would have been bigger than he was at, in the start of the fellowship oh. when he sealed or does it. I don't know. I think I kind of would want to see that. Oh. <laughs> Dan, Dan, you're making a lot of noises as though you, you don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> He's looking no. away. The, the beauty of Sauron um, is, is that you don't see much of him. I, yeah. I think he's one of the best faceless villains. Uh, he's terrifying because you don't know what he looks like. Uh, and you, you, you kind of do uh, at least some of his forms uh, from that that prologue in the fellowship of the ring um where it talks about uh you know when he's first cut down um and you sort of see it a little again in the hobbit and that was cool but um i i feel like even even the eye as cool as it was seeing it was a little bit funny and seeing it like looking around like a like an evil lighthouse yeah yeah just basically cut away a lot of his teeth Mm. um and i still think it was cool and i don't i don't no, if I know of a better way to do it, because I agree, even the faceless enemy needed some sort of a face, even if it was just an eye. Uh, but I, I feel like the more you see, the, the less you're going to get. And if he'd been in person, it would have just been meh. I mean, I, 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 I pretty much mostly agree with that point. I kind of like the, the fact that we don't see Sauron, but I just kind of would, you know, just... I, I guess it's because that battle just felt it lacked that impetus because mm. they've cut the mouth of Sauron scene, which means that they as an audience we now don't know that they know frodo is dead or mm. they think frodo mm. is dead because the the enemy have like thrown his mithril shirt at them and gone he suffered <laughs> that kind of thing um but yeah it's it, it is a tremendous film though um it obviously it begins with um smeagol and deagle and how smeagol yes. found the ring <laughs> And then uh, chokes his fishing buddy to death. I mean, Deagle found the ring, really. Well, mm. yeah, it's really Deagle's yeah. fault. Yeah. Um, but yes, he chokes and we see how he went into exile and became the creature known as Gollum. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still trying to make the way to Mount Doom. Uh, meanwhile, Treebeard's uh, in Isengard going, oh, Saruman's locked in this tower and can't come out to play this film. Yeah. <laughs> Were you surprised he didn't turn up? I was a little bit. I kind of thought that he was going to be in all three, so... Um, yeah, I was a little bit, okay, come on to play now. Well, Christopher Lee thought he was going to be in all three as well. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and we will get to that. But uh, there, there, there was stuff shot, which ah, showed Saruman yeah, right. uh, basically on top of his tower, shouting insults down and ultimately getting killed uh, by Grima Wormtongue. Yeah, right. So they shot they shot that Saruman's death happening there? Yeah. Was that fi- was was Saruman in the extended edition? Yes. At all? So in okay, the extended right. edition, when Treebeard's there going, "He's in his tower," they then cut He's to like, Saruman. Saruman's on top <laughs> of the mom. tower, going, "Yeah, oi, you think you've won this time, super fools?" Like yeah. that kind of thing. And then Grima Wormtongue's up there, and Saruman's like, "I'm going to kill you all and kill all the men." And Grima essentially just has enough and like stabs him in the back, oh. and Saruman kills Grima somehow. I don't know. That's right. 
they want Saruman to be alive so they can interrogate him. Grima stabs him in the side. Legolas shoots Grima because oh, he's trying to save Saruman. And then Saruman falls off the tower and lands on a spiked wheel, gets impaled oh. by it. Oh, what? Because that's how the Palantir, uh, the, 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 the Palantir, sc- the Skype ball. Mm. That Pippin the finds. Skype ball. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's how, <laughs> that's how it ends up in the water at the ground for Pippin oh. to find because it slips out of Saruman's robes. Right. Because you've not seen the extended edition. No, I haven't. No. Which I'm ashamed of, frankly. I mean, by all means, go see Sarah Curtis. She'll lend you a copy. (laughs) She definitely (laughs) will, yes. I feel as though of the three films, this is the one that probably suffers the most from stuff that was cut. But at the same time, there is a lot in this film, and I wouldn't want it to be any longer. How long is the extended edition? Oh, four hours. (laughs) I think it's it's, it's a fair whack of time on top of it. And it's, you know, it's stuff like the, the... the bat, there's more at the battles, so yeah. we see more of the oh, wow. we see more of the men on the boats because uh, Peter Jackson is one of the guys on the boats, and we actually see his character get killed oh, um, and things like that. That's and we fun yeah, we see more of that kind of thing. We see a bit more from the Army of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually see how Gothmog gets killed as well. There's a sequence where he is wounded and Eowyn's wounded and he's chasing Eowyn and she's all, oh no, no. And then Aragorn and Gimli just walk past and slay him in the <laughs> middle of their like rampage through the middle of the battlefield. Oh, well, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that was cut. That's unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> and also it sort of undercut the thing with Eowyn. Exactly. Where she'd just done the whole I am no man thing mm. and then to be running yeah. away from the big pink pimply thing. And get saved by two men in passing. Yeah. yeah. So that is there if you want that. But, no. Uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, but yeah, so no, no Saruman in the film. In the extended editions, do they show Eowyn and Faramir getting together? They show them meeting. Right. Because oh, um, that happens. That's a thing, is it? That yeah. does sound pretty good, actually. Yeah, they show them that meeting in the, the House of Healing. Um, mm. Basically, she, one of them, I forget, one of them is looking wistfully out the window and the other one they walks... They both have a lot of wistful looks. Yeah, the other one <laughs> walks into the background and goes, oh, I come here to look wistfully too. Oh, you're, you're almost Aragorn. That's good yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't think you're any... almost my father's approval. Yeah, there's there's no dialogue. Um, oh, yeah, I think it, it, it's just whist, a yeah. lot of whist happening there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel as though we should have watched the extended edition. But nope, we said it's cinematic, so that's what we're doing. Um, we'd still be there. We, yeah, that's yeah, true. We still would. Yeah. Uh, so Pippin finds the Palantir. Yep. Um, and or Skype ball. Gandalf goes no 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 hides it puts it away. Uh, but then, fool of a toque, he goes and finds it again <laughs> and gets the whole uh, flaming eyeball yeah, thing. Yeah, he goes on chat roulette and he finds what's coming to him. He yeah. does. Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> but, it, but it ends up not being a terrible thing because he doesn't reveal the plan with Frodo and he finds out that the, the eye of Sauron is turning its gaze to Minas Tirith and that in Gondor fact, is next. that's one of the reasons in the book why he attacks Minas Tirith. Uh, he goes, ah, Pippin's there. He's obviously got the ring. Ergo, I'm going to send everything at uh, Minas Tirith. Ah, okay. So in a way, it helps. Mm. It's like one of those uh, setting your own destiny kind of things. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, villains. When, when will they learn? <laughs> Engineering their own downfall. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so Gandalf takes Pippin and goes, right, this is your mess. We're going to go clean it up. Turns up at Minas Tirith, finds out the steward. Bit of a lunatic, Ree. Oh, yeah, he is, isn't he? He's a... Mm. Uh, He's definitely been through something, I think. Well, I mean, he has just lost his awesome son yes. in Boromir. And he's, it, he's grieving. He clearly had a favourite. He clearly did. Oh, and how, yeah. Whew. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he's uh, he's there grieving and going, ah, oh, Faramir, you're not Boromir. You should be doing all this stuff and putting, yeah. putting pressure on poor Faramir. Poor Faramir. Yeah. And he's like, oh, like, do you wish it was reversed? And he's like, yes. <laughs> Just no holding back. And I'm yeah. like, oh, and your dad's great. a dick. <laughs> it is. And it's a great performance from John Noble. Who, it is. Who plays Denethor. Mm. Uh, who I actually met in real life. Um, You just keep pulling out these little wonders. (laughs) Well, when I was working, uh, I used to do some work interviewing on the convention circuit uh, here in Perth. Oh, of course, that's very... Mm. So that's also how I met Billy Boyd. Uh, But the... um, (laughs) John Noble, I didn't get to interview him, but we got to... Basically, all the people who were working for the uh, various media companies, their backstage area at this convention was next door to the food area for the acts. So they'd often Ooh. just wander through and go, we don't have time for an interview, but they'd be eating a sandwich and going, hey, what's going on? How are you guys doing? Yeah. So, uh, and John Noble was one of those guys who... <gasps> Did he do his Denethor messy eating acting? He's a much cleaner eater than he is <laughs> in this film, where he's got like tomato dribbling down his chin. Yeah, yes. it's my favourite eating scene. Oh, that and, and the imaginary eating scene in Hook. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That is yeah. That's mm. my number one. That one that's is dope. Yeah. Uh, but the, <laughs> um, that's what the kids say, right? But yes, uh, John <laughs> Noble, very nice. Denethor, not so nice. Um, yes. Meanwhile, Gandalf's running around trying to organise the the city's defences behind yeah. uh, behind the steward's back. Uh, gets the beacons lit thanks to some uh, rock climbing from yeah. Pippin. Uh, and yeah, ca- just casually, some real impressive bare face rock climbing. Those feet. I, yeah. I mean, they'd get you up into some places. Yeah. Apparently yeah. so. Yeah. You, see, you see it with Frodo and Sam later when they're making their way past Minas Morgul, climbing that very mm. steep staircase. Do you think hobbits have slightly prehensile feet so they've got like really good grip? I reckon they do. Like they're yeah. on them all the time. They don't wear shoes so they're, mm. you know, rough surface. I think it's the hair on top of the foot. It's like Velcro. It mm. just like, sticks onto yeah. things. Do you think also that they'd have like giant fingerprints on the soles of their feet to help with grip? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Point is, though, he can climb, he can set a fire, and the beacons are lit. And after about a minute, uh, we of of just seeing mountains with little flames on them. Drone shots. We see Aragon looking around, uh, just having a bowl of soup and going, oh, the beacons are lit. Um, And so despite all of Theoden's misgivings in the second film of Gondor, where were they when the Westfold fell? Gondor. Um, He kind of kind of goes... Oh, all right. And go, go on then. Yeah. So rides out the horses, off they go. And this is where we pick up a theme from the previous film, uh, Re, mm. with Eowyn's like, I want to fight. And Theoden's like, I'm the patriarchy. This is not happening. <laughs> you may not. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you feel about um, how Eowyn sort of progressed as a character from in this film? Because obviously going through all the things in Two Towers, that mm. was kind of... It, it, we didn't really get to see a, much of a progression. It was kind of just about surviving. Whereas yeah. in this film, I feel as though there is quite a progression for her. I think so, yeah. And I think um, with Two Towers, they're, um, they're still, I think because we were just introduced to her character, so there was a lot of, um, is she just going to be a love interest? Is she you know, going to be her own character? So I think that was kind of like blended a little bit. Whereas I think in this one, she kind of, I don't know, I think, yeah, she had her own story a little bit more because she didn't um, have, like, as many scenes with Aragon. Mm. Like, you know, she still she still wanted him, which, yeah. you know, fair enough. Mm. Yeah, it's very fair. Yeah, it's very, very fair. fair. Uh, <laughs> but that wasn't what her character was about, so I really no. liked that, and I thought it really... Um, it could have gone down a bad path, but, it you know, it, it went for a good one in that, you know, she basically Mulan'd it. 
She um, did. She she did, and she got her moment as well, which I loved. Oh, the I the, am no man. I am no man. Like yeah. no, taking off the helmet, let the hair out. I am no man. You're like yeah, and a stab to the face, and a stab no to the face. <laughs> I mean, th- th- this movie more than the other two, I think, has a lot of excellent moments like that just mm. exclamation yeah. points on yeah, characters absolutely and i think that is pretty much right up there also uh with your mulan an- analogy i think mm. that makes uh mary mushu uh by uh, yeah, yeah that's pretty accurate really yeah. <laughs> i would have totally thought uh, pippin would be mushu but no you're right mm. um but yeah so um we, we see aya when she also gets pretty like firmly told by aragon yeah this ain't happening <laughs> But I mean, like, to be fair, like, they never actually speak about it. So Mm. when she is let down, I think she's like, oh, like, I'm real upset. But also we've probably we've actually never spoken about it. So I can't be too mad. Yeah. And then, you know, the next day she stabs the Witch King of Angmar in the face. That's a good way to get over heartbreak and disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yes, we see Eowyn and Merry there, you know, dealing with all this, uh, ooh, this, this, you're not allowed to fight. Yeah, no yeah. women and hobbits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be a tall Rohirrim man to do this. And yeah. then obviously they go and do their thing and it's fantastic. Uh, obviously Pippin's off with Gandalf. Meanwhile, Aragorn is is having just like destiny just thrown at him by the brick. Really is, it's just, he? yeah, it's just Elrond <laughs> turns up and goes, we fixed the magic sword because my daughter's dying and she refuses to not die unless yeah. unless yeah. you're the king. Is, it, is that a reasonable summation? Yeah, that's kind of it. She chooses a mortal life. Yeah. yeah. And so in, in doing so, he's like, all right, well, now I've got the king's sword. Uh, go speak to the ghost army. <laughs> he's like, because also, they're going to lose that battle without the ghost army. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that, massively. That, yeah. So um, they they venture to, to the, the evil mountain where all the, the green ghosts live. Where, oh. not, not Mount Doom, Mount Evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very great naming conventions here. Uh, and it, it's kind of interesting, you know, Legolas and Gimli, they're along there for the ride, almost because this has become like the three musketeers yeah. of, of the Middle Earth. And Gimli is most definitely Porthos. Oh, such a Porthos. Such a Porthos. Um, but yeah, they, they go in and uh, he essentially shows the ghost his sword and they go, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there really isn't a huge amount to those scenes, I feel. No, same in the book, frankly, mm. as far as I remember. He basically goes in and says, hey, do this. And they go, yep. Hmm. Do you think that Tolkien potentially came up with that when he realized he'd stack things too heavily in Sauron's favor for that battle? Did he go, oh, I think I need something here that is just like a, that, that won't affect the rest of the story, but lets them win the battle? Um, interesting. Uh, it does certainly feel that way in the movie. Hmm. Um, in in the book, maybe a little bit too, but uh, I think... I think the the point there was to to make uh, how um, lots of what um, Sauron did led to his own undoing. So uh, his agents caused the, the the army of that became the army of the dead to break their roads and not come to Gondor's aid, um, and that eventually led to them being cursed and forever held in that mountain. So if Sauron had made them. Uh, betrayed uh, Isildur uh, back in the day, they wouldn't have stuck around to bring about his downfall today. Mm. Mm. So I think it was maybe one of those, the way I see it is that it was one of those um, uh, he brought about his own undoing in ages past. And it's all his sins coming to... Coming to roost. Uh, Sins uh, roost, right? Yes, yes. They're much, very like like chickens. And um, (laughs) I also feel as though what it does is it, it, uh, yeah, it uh, validifies... 
Aragorn's right to the throne because mm. you've got Denethor there going, "No, he can't do it," and um, and yeah, eating messily. A lot Pouring of close-ups of mouths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of close-ups of mouths in this film. We had Smeagol with the fish. Right, was, right at the start. Yeah, I just was... kept wanting to reach for my lip balm mm, every time yeah. we were with like so Frodo and Sam. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, just give me the ring. How thirsty and dehydrated did you oh, feel? Oh, I dry, yep, very thirsty. Yeah, and not the good kind of thirsty. No. Like I, I'm just glad not I not the Aragon <laughs> kind of thirsty. No, very. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the ghost army happens and Aragon's position is validified and he gets to become the king. Um, meanwhile, hard cut Frodo and Sam hard and cut. Gollum uh, climbing up uh, past Minas Morgul, um, and Gollum turns Frodo and Sam on each other by by saying the fat Hobbit took the bread. <laughs> he ate Hobbit. all the bread. Classic oh. uh, breadcrumb maneuver. <laughs> Hangriness. That is what splits friendship yes. apart. Yeah. Uh, they could have done with the Snickers right there Just, and then. It would have turned it all around. <laughs> mm. Uh, Frodo's alone and he's in a cave. Oh, sorry. The Tanner, as he always puts it. I just love that. Smeagol just going, The Tanner. <laughs> Every time he mentions it. <laughs> she, of course, being She Lob. Is that the Spidey? That's the Spidey. Yeah, I now, was wondering who she was going to be. Because there was a lot of references. There was a lot of references of she. Yeah, and it turns out it was a. Uh, were you expecting a giant spider? I, I somehow I wasn't. Even, <laughs> even though he's there walking through this cave, getting stuck in spider webs, didn't once occur to me that a giant spider was going to come out. Mm. Um, so it, my it's, bad. It's a pretty effective design, <laughs> even even today. I mean, that film came out ooh, sixteen years ago. So no, yeah, it's two thousand nineteen, Daniel. I don't <laughs> like. Fair nope. enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's how maths works. I'm still catching up. <laughs> okay. But I still think that design holds up quite well. Yeah. Um, like, I, I'm not particularly a, a great fan of looking at spiders, just in general. And um, I, I found myself more able to watch Shelob uh, in, in recent viewings, um, as opposed to when it first came out, where it was just... Pretty, pretty cringy. Mm. Yeah. You're looking at it and you're going, oh, there's all the bits that I didn't know a spider had. Ooh. And now they're large yeah. enough for me to, to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Shelob, you know, gets a, gets a stinger away, knocks out Frodo. Mm. Uh, Sam thinks Frodo's dead. Yeah. After he has a pretty, pretty great fight with, uh, with Shelob the spider. Um, yeah, he does Oh, he has a kick-ass fight. And he has a, a real Sigourney Weaver moment. Mm. You kid, don't you touch him. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. Um and he thinks Frodo's dead. Turns out he's not. Uh, the orcs turn up Good and go... Good job he stayed and watched. Yeah, the orcs turning up and going, No, oh, another one. Oh, let's just explain things I'll so just that explain. anyone listening can understand. Not that anyone's listening because we've roughly scouted out the area. We all know what's going on, but let's say it out loud anyway. Yeah. So we're going northwest by, for about three minutes, then we'll take a right. We'll it leave w- a trail. <laughs> yeah, it did feel a bit like that, but it was... Um, it it was yeah, it then sets up Sam's big heroic uh, one man tower adventure yeah. uh, with his silhouette puppet show scaring yeah. the orcs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was although I do love the fact that like because it is orcs that he's coming after that half of the crowd had been wiped out by themselves just being dumb and fighting each other. Yeah, I did yeah. love that. I was like, good. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. And then he gets to Frodo, and Frodo's like, oh Sam, no, he's the ring's gone, and we're we're doomed. And Sam goes, ha ha, I <laughs> stole this jewelry from a body I thought was dead. <laughs> Um, I looted. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and again, uh, Sam, I think, completes a trilogy of 
characters who willingly give up the ring. Yeah. Each film has one, but yeah. none of them are the ring bearers, really. Well, I mean, the first film is Bilbo, is Bilbo who yeah. is sort of an unwitting uh, ring bearer in a sense. Mm. You know, he wasn't necessarily aware of its significance, and but still has that moment of giving up. In the second yeah. film, it's Faramir um, giving up this weapon that would mean that his father would have his approval. Um, oh, sorry, he would have his father's approval. And then in this third film, it's Sam, who is holding on to it and you can hear the whispers and he just gives it over. Mm. Um, and I I think it's interesting that it's those three characters <coughs> who are the ones who are showcased as as being able to give this up. And yeah. to an extent, Aragon I- at the end of The Fellowship, where, you know, Frodo's there going like, hey, hey, do you want to take this? Because I'm sick. <laughs> uh, but, but you see all these other great characters. Like Gandalf is like, don't even, don't bring it near me. Don't. I, can't, I don't even want to touch it. I can't trust myself. Can't Frodo. Yeah. Uh, Galadriel does her inverse color thing <laughs> where <laughs> she's there going, you could have a queen. And then goes, eh. sepia toned as an old photograph. <laughs> Treacherous as a sea. Um, so yeah, and obviously we see lots of other characters not be able to deal with it. Even to mm. to um, the case in point, the big climax of the whole trilogy, Frodo doesn't throw the ring in he the lava. Throw the ring. That's one of my favorite things that I love so much. It, it is really good, and it, it does stick to the story mm. because otherwise, you know, like it would just be super easy just to throw, you know, to mm. destroy the ring, and it's why it hasn't been destroyed because I'm sure. You know, I mean, there may have been other quests of people trying to throw it away, but getting to that moment and not being mm. able to. So it also explains what happens with the sealed or a bit more in that in that initial opening um, of the fellowship where Elrond takes him up there and goes, destroy it. And he goes, sealed no, it's kind of like it's yeah. already taken hold mm. of, of, yeah. of this character. Um, and yeah, and then Frodo puts it on and then Gollum turns up and bites his bites finger his off. finger off. Yeah. Ooh. It was gross. Yeah. But also really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then they have a bit Just of a can. bit of a scuffle, bit yeah. of a scuffle. Obviously the ring's been put on, so you know, Sauron's like, uh-oh, looking around <laughs> Someone's behind Someone's got it. There are so many, um, uh, pardon my French, oh, faces uh, throughout this so movie. So many. So it- many moments where people just go, oh, that's a big troll, <laughs> or oh, there's something behind me, or oh, I've been stabbed. Yeah. There's, yeah, and the fact we get one from Sauron is very... It's pretty very good. Love it. Yeah. Um, and I also like the fact that we get that in the celebrations when, of course, the ring is destroyed. It's it's dropped into the lava. You know, Gollum's holding it as he falls and then <laughs> melts and he's gone and then mm. it eventually does does melt away. And you see all the, um, the fellowship in the battle all cheering and going, yeah, Frodo! And then the volcano just erupts <laughs> and they all go, Frodo! Oh. Yeah, um, but luckily, and also Sam. I now, know none of them are ch- like shouting for Sam. He's the yeah. best part. Well, I mean, he is, isn't he? Oh, I love Sam so much. Yeah, he's I, my favorite character. I think he's the hero of the book. He really yeah. is the hero. I can't carry it, but I can carry you. <laughs> Just a moment while we all admire Sam for oh. for his qualities. So good. And continue. Uh, <laughs> luckily, Frodo and Sam yes. are rescued by the Eagles. The Eagles, the yeah. back. Uh, not the band, not the sports team. <laughs> the mythical Eagles uh, that Gandalf can summon at times of great plot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although, although I do have to say, I, I want to cross this off with you, Dan. One of the theories that come, or discussions that came out post the film is people going, 
why didn't they just fly the eagles to Mordor and drop a the ring? A common misconception. Yes. Now, can you please, uh, in your best <laughs> and most condescending voice, <laughs> yes. explain to people who haven't read the books why that, that plan wouldn't have worked? Look, guys. Uh... <laughs> I will make a few quotes here. The uh, black gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There are things in Mordor that do not sleep, okay? Uh, Not only do we have the fell beasts and the nine Nazgul, who are powerful enough to take on eagles, let me say. They joined in the the battle at the black gate right at the end uh, to, to help the heroes. But in open warfare, they would have been taken down. Uh, also, we've got the power of Sauron to contend with. He is not just some big dooted up lighthouse. Uh, he's actually got substantial magical powers and he would have easily done away with the eagles. However, another big thing is that the eagles are sworn by the ruler of Middle-earth himself, the, the like literal god sort of figure, to be neutral in these ah. matters and to be observers only. They break the rules so many times. They're going to get in trouble. Uh, so not only would they um, uh, not have been allowed to by their leader, they would have been taken down by the Nazgul and the sorceries of Sauron and also the many other beasts and creatures that he has at his disposal. Concise there we go. and condescending. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, so we have this beautiful uh, reunion where... Yeah. Frodo wakes up in another bed after another hideous injury and Gandalf's there. And it was only when you made the, oh, he's alive uh, comment, Ree, that I forgot Frodo wouldn't have known that Gandalf was alive. The last he saw of Gandalf was (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure Frodo would have thought he was dead at that point. Mm, Just like, Well, yeah, because then who's the next person to come in? Uh, It's Merry and Pippin. Because, I I mean, he saw them being chased. Yeah by uh, the yeah, orcs, that's it? Right. So I'm like, he thinks he's dead right now. That's like, why he's laughing. Yeah, he's like, ha ha, it's over. Yeah, yeah good I mean, it was over, but it yeah, was. he was, um, yeah, it was, and it was a, it's a lovely scene. Very little dialogue. It's literally just him saying the names of people as they walk in and laughter. Notably not saying Legolas's name. Yeah, almost as though he forgot what his name was. Yeah. Like, oh, you. Elf guy. <laughs> Want to yeah. say Leland? Yeah. It's Lee. <laughs> Lee, right? Lee, yes. yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a lovely scene. Um, and then we see, you know, Aragorn finally get his destiny crown. And then, you know, he's yep. coronated. He's got his hair done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looked pretty fly. He did. Yeah. And he finally looks clean. Yeah. Well, he's, he's probably had a chance to have a shower or a bath. <laughs> Quite possibly the first yeah. time since, like, Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even before then, it didn't look yeah, like he'd been... He was pretty dirty no, when they met him in that true. bar, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. We should have yeah. really not called him Strider. They should have called him... We call him Stinky. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's very stealthy, but you can smell him. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's the king. Uh, Gandalf gets to put the crown on him because he's a celebrant, apparently. Um, there's, <laughs> you know, there's pedals falling. He starts singing a song and all the crowd are like, I guess we have a singing king. Cool. All right. Cool. That's great. Uh, it's better than the last king. Better than had. the oil yeah. pouring yeah. Yeah. king. Yeah. Like, he wants to set everyone on fire. Yeah. Mm. Flee! The glutton. Flee to the city! <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, we see um, obviously Arwen turns up. Surprise, you got Surprise, a queen. Surprise, she's behind a banner. Yeah. And um, yeah, so everything turns out well for Aragon. And we have that wonderful line uh, where the hobbits are there and he, they're starting to bow. And he goes, ah, You bow to no one. And Dan made a little noise just oh, then. I, I whimpered like a 
like a little puppy <laughs> and just realise he gets to share his home with other puppies. Because <laughs> it is a lovely moment. It's very it effective. Really is, yeah. When you see these characters who are, you know, a short stature, they've been shown throughout the course of the, the films that, you know, it's a big, scary world away mm. from the Shire and, you know, they have been knocked around and all this sort of thing. But to get paid that respect from the King of Gondor, no And less. they become the tallest things there everyone kneels down yeah. their head and shoulders above yeah. everyone else yeah and they all look really uncomfortable with it except for Pippin who's just kind of like oh, I he's can drinking get used to it this. Is. Yeah, well he still like... had some of that pipe weed left over that's true. true that's true he does smoke too much of it mm. uh, <laughs> um, so they return to the Shire they're heroes uh, Sam goes on another brave adventure and gets married Woo! hooks up with Rosie oh he did say that he was going to marry what he would have done when he thought he was dying so yeah. that's very nice I, I tell you what it would have been would have been a crying shame for him not necessarily for Rosie but for him had in their course away she you know found someone else and gotten yeah. married and he comes back all full of bravery and like I've conquered my fears and more things than hobbits will ever know but you're Yep, you're with yeah, yeah, you're with Steve. That's you're cool. married. You married yeah. Steve Proudfeet. How Steve dare Proudfeet. you? <laughs> Ugh. Bloody Proudfoots. Proudfeet. Proudfeet. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so um, this this lovely uh, union happens, and then time comes to send the uh, increasingly raisin-looking uh, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> yeah. To which set- I I was happy to see he was still alive because mm. I was like. Oh, like he's surely he's just dropped off by now. Off like, screen. Yeah, no. I think no. they're just gonna forget about him, and then there he is. Yep, and he gets uh, <laughs> yeah gets taken <laughs> by carriage to uh, to a boat that's gonna sail off to the Grey Havens. Well, they uh, are sorry, leaving the Grey. Sorry, Havens. sorry. The destination uh, is not the Grey Havens. Point of departure: Grey Havens, sailing to the Valinor. Undying Lands uh, or Valinor. Yes. Mm. Um, and so they get to the Grey Havens, and Bilbo's like, "Ah, well, I'm not going to say goodbye to anyone. I'm just." <laughs> <laughs> he just goes, "I think it's time for another adventure." And everyone goes, "That's sweet." And then I'm sure about ten seconds later, we're gone. He didn't even wave. <laughs> not a look back. Yeah. Uh, Elrond and Gladriel and all the other elves are getting on the boat and then Gandalf's there going well time for me to go as well and then as he turns to go he turns back and goes come on Frodo I did notice when he was saying goodbye to all of the hobbits um, Gandalf was saying goodbye Frodo was you know he was kind of looking at the ground and I was like what's he mad about I just assumed he was mad Mm. but he he was holding a secret were you expecting that he was gonna go no I wasn't. And, and then I was a bit sad for Sam. Right. Mary and Pippin have each other. They're yeah. fine. But Sam... <laughs> Sam did yeah. just get married. I know, but it's his not best friend, yeah. you know? Marriage is not the same. It's no. not the same. It doesn't hold the same bonds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to have Frodo-FOMO. Yeah. Well, it's... Um, yeah, and it is really touching. And I really like that they they take their time, even though this is a long film, they take their time yeah. with those goodbyes. That's yeah. true. I did appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. They all get the hugs. We see the fact that they're all really sad and that Frodo is almost just doing a thousand yard stare mm. because he is just completely messed up by the whole thing. He really is, isn't he? Yeah. One of my favourite things about, yeah. about the whole journey of Frodo is how it's it's so like like just a journey of PTSD and depression yeah. and he doesn't overcome it. Yeah. He pulls out all his stops he, um, you know, gets the, uh, the inspiration from, from the elves and his friends and everything. But in the end, despite him being supernaturally, amazingly brave and tough, mm. he, is, he is foiled and he can't, he can't withstand it. And even mm. when yeah. he is helped over the finish line, 
he's still too broken afterwards yeah. to, to live there, yeah. which I think is is beautiful. Yeah, it is It is really just good storytelling. Yeah. And, mm. and very reflective of, of someone that went through a major world war. Um, mm. Yeah, exactly. And was, you know, obviously writing about these sorts of experiences, even if maybe there wasn't necessarily a name or a commonly known terminology for what is post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. Just writing about those experiences, I think, was really... Um, it was really it was a really interesting insight into obviously things that Tolkien must have maybe not experienced himself but certainly experienced <sighs> with you know friends of his and mm. the whole point of the Lord of the Rings story it's not about the battles it's about the individuals within the battles yeah. and about them struggling to survive and the fact that any of them make it out alive is a miracle and I I, I, I could go on a long time about this so I'll keep it short <laughs> but uh, I love how um, so many of the characters are overcoming those sort of things like Aragorn doesn't really want to be king he's afraid that if he takes up that mantle he'll have the same weakness as Isildur his ancestor and he'll lead the last group of men into into evil um uh, and not live up to his um to his his destiny Gandalf was afraid to come to Middle-earth to face Sauron uh, and so got told to come and face his fears um and uh Eowyn is thoroughly depressed um about her not being able to fight and then after she stabs the witch king she's still really sad for a long time until uh, Faramir who's also really sad meets it's just a story <laughs> of lots of sad people finding some comfort in each other Aww. and killing orcs along the way mm. and i think that's great yeah yeah it is <laughs> and it it really just ties up nicely as you say there are multiple endings but i also as when i watched it in the cinema the first time and it started to fade out on Frodo and Sam alone on the lava rock. And then mm. it stays black for quite a while before the shot comes in the eagles. Part of me was going, oh no. And part of me was going, that's a really good place to end it. Like it's, yeah. it is one of those things where you're like, that would have been an amazing place to end it. But at the same time, you need to show, you, you need to show that it's fantasy. You need to show that they, they got their rewards because then you get the, no one bows to you. Then you get the, the last pages are for you. You get all these wonderful moments. And I quite like that it just finished with Sam going home. Like just, it, it was yeah. really lovely. And, um, and I think we kind of needed that after <coughs> having Frodo leave, mm. you know, we're all feeling for Sam. So I think it was nice to be reminded that he is going home and that's where he really wants to be. Mm. Uh, and he's there with his really adorable family. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. The baby up. hobbits. Mm. Come on. Oh, baby hobbits. Those little feet. <laughs> and they've all got fur on them. Oh, oh. curly hair. Yeah. Oh. Do you think they'd have like baby fur on them? Like like babies have like, oh, like the baby hair sort probably. of a thing? And it'd be like really Tufts. fine. And, yeah, no. <laughs> Platinum blonde. <laughs> so ultimately, Ray. Yeah. What did you think of Return of the King? I really enjoyed it. I think... Um, yeah, as, as I said, I I think it was a really long journey, but it, it had to be long because there was just so much to get through. Mm. Um, and I, like, I don't think I would cut any of it as well. Mm. Uh, and I was really happy with how it all tied up. And um, and you know, I can you know I can go to sleep tonight knowing that everyone had their own little happy endings. Yeah. And uh, for you, Dan, first time rewatching this specific film in a couple of years, mm. still holds up? Yeah, yeah, really nicely. Um, uh, for me, the standout things for this one were the pacing. Um, uh, yeah, the pacing felt, felt good. Um, and uh, I would say that thinking about it, after what you just said about they gave time to all the endings... Um, yeah, that is surprising now that I think about it, how much time they gave to it and how 
yeah, they they had massively long battles, but they had long hugs as well. So that's yeah. nice. Um, and that's something I maybe didn't appreciate as much before. So yeah, I, I really appreciated that they did that. And they cut a lot of things from the books, and of course they did, and that's fine because it's a different <laughs> medium. And you can tell by the tone of my voice that I'm totally cool with that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think all things considered, they did a marvellous job mm. with the sheer fuck-off size of the text. Mm. And most of which is boring as well. Yeah, I'm a huge fan, but it's boring. <laughs> so, with all that being said, uh, we do have some trivia to get Ooh. to. But first, oh, yes. uh, I promised in the opening section mm. of this program, uh, I have an interview that I conducted oh. recently with a stuntman who worked on the Lord of the Rings film, Marcello Vullian. The full interview will be going up on the podcast feed. Make sure you subscribe. Mm. Uh, That will be going up a couple of days after this episode is released. But for now, please enjoy this short snippet with my interview with Marcello Vullian. Uh, Marcello to work with Sir Christopher Lee. Wow, he was an amazing person. I mean, just go back in time. I was born in 1968, so back in the days, as I remember early films that I grew up watching, from Dracula to um, 007, remembering Scaramanga, mm-hmm. Man with a Golden Gun. That's right. And uh, interestingly enough, I did find in the Wellington some. Uh, postcards um, in some of the shops you know with the man with the golden it was him with the golden gun and asking please can you sign this i always was bothering him please can you sign this <laughs> sign that for me and he did he loved it Aww. he loved to sign he didn't mind he was very accommodating mm. and uh, uh, truly it was an honor uh, if i should say and and this most memorable thing was working with them because particularly because the fact that he really was somebody I enjoyed his company and Paddy and myself work very closely with him and we're making sure the safety of his, his physical safety because mm. we were, as we worked with him we were always around him yeah so therefore even sitting next to chair next to him was great it was designated a chair for me to sit right next to him and often the first AD would come brand and they didn't want to bother him talking to me because he was telling me something historical. He was really an amazing guy, very knowledgeable of history mm-hmm. and everything. And in particular, um, he was interested in talking about World War Two because he was he was telling me about his commando days. I was about to say he was very much involved. In he the, was in involved in Second World War, and uh, he was telling me about his life story. And so people didn't dare to interrupt our conversation. He was really like, you know, I'll talk to you when I'm finished. (laughs) I I have to say, uh, I completely sympathize with them. Uh, I would not dare want to interrupt Christopher Lee when he's in the middle of a story. Especially his voice. eh? He sounds, he's he's very imposing. The sound of his voice is very tall. Mm. And if he's there in all the Saruman makeup as well, you don't... Scary. Yeah. So for more uh, of that sort of thing, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast feed to hear the full interview. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, Dan, you're making <laughs> some very, very jealous noises there. Yeah, well, look, no, I'm I'm happy I'm happy you were doing that interview because I would have just been like, <laughs> did you touch his beard? <laughs> 
well, I didn't ask that question, but I See? did. And I'm glad. But I did ask plenty more. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And uh, just a very quick thank you here to uh, Marcello and his wonderful family, uh, because not only did they let me do the interview at their house, um, they fed me with oh. excellent food. How good is um, that? Yeah, so thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Would you guys like some trivia about the return of the king? Yay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we're going to start with the dead elephant carcass uh, that was used in this film. <laughs> was reportedly the largest prop ever built for a film. Ah. Uh, wait, which carcass was that? The one that uh, Mary is found oh. on, uh, near when Pippin is searching the battlefield. Really? That's, yeah. God, it's but, in such a small... Yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't notice that. I was looking at... I assumed it was just I was looking CGI. at Mary. <laughs> nope. That, that is real. Shit. According to uh, the prop department, Peter Jackson still thought it could have been bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that comes up a lot. Um, There's a bit with the Witch King design where he kept trying to make the mace bigger. I was about to say, good God, that thing was almost comical. Yes. The final day of filming on the trilogy actually happened a month after the film was released in theatres. What? Yeah, um, it, and also three weeks after it won the Academy Award for Best Picture, Peter That's Jackson. Hilarious. Yes, Peter Jackson arranged to film one final shot of the skulls on the floor in the Paths of the Dead, uh, which was included in the extended edition DVD. He thought it was funny to be doing filming on a movie that had already won the Best Picture Oscar. <laughs> wow, just I for fun. Ad- <laughs> yeah, I got to admire that. Something fierce. Mm. Each of the cast members was given a gift on their last day of shooting, usually a prop with some significance to their roles. Miranda Otto received one of Eowyn's dresses and her sword. Nice. Uh, Liv Tyler received Arwen's dying dress. And, and her sword. And Orlando Bloom got one of Legolas's bows. Nice. I mean, in fairness, like he, he used them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think while, while we're here of his, uh, his taking oh, down of the that, mother kill? Yeah, the little <laughs> elephant. The little. The big... <laughs> That was amazing, and mm. I, I I was kind of waiting for one of those moments, though. You have to have one of those, mm. uh, one in every film from Legolas. Mm. And just to top it off, him just, like, sliding down the trunk <laughs> and just, like, seamlessly landing it and walking as if he'd nothing, you know, hadn't mm. even broken a sweat. It was amazing. And, yeah. of course, with the um, beautiful follow-up line uh, from Gimli. That still only counts as one! <laughs> it was just fabulous. Um, great caution was taken for the scene where Faramir is dragged back to Minas Tirith by his horse. I'll bet. The filmmakers yeah. were afraid that the horse might suddenly start to run, dragging ah. David Wenham behind it. So they built a release system into the saddle. Wenham held the handle for the release system in his right hand, which is why it's up against his chest. Mm. And if the horse started to run, he could simply pull it and be released from the stirrup. Oh, that's good. Fortunately, they didn't end up needing this, so good horse didn't well try done, and run off. Uh, speaking of John Reese davis since he suffered constant rashes from oh, wearing the Gimli makeup, the makeup department gave him the opportunity to throw his Gimli mask into a fire on the last day <laughs> of pickup photography. That's he, real special. He didn't that hesitate. Is. And he grabbed it and just threw it in. He was he was done with it. Yeah. So hold on, wait, as in like his beard kept giving him rashes. No. Yeah, it was... It, so it was like his whole it, yeah. like face. Yeah, so that? the beard was attached to essentially his skin, which was then attached to his skin. Yeah, right. And it was the, the whatever it was they were using to connect it, it was either the prosthetics or the glue, probably the prosthetics that were causing him to break out in rashes. So he never shot on consecutive days. He would shoot one day and then get the next day off to recover. So every time he was shooting, he was just having an allergic reaction. That explains some of Gimli's faces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> when he's clapping when he sees yeah, Frodo yeah. and he's got cross eyes. <laughs> yeah. He is, he's he's just so in a much world pain. of pain. <laughs> oh, poor dude. Yeah. Mm. Um, Billy Boyd's singing scene largely came about because the co-writer, uh, Philippa Boyens, went out for a night at a karaoke bar with the uh, younger male cast members <laughs> and was struck by the quality of his voice because that's actually a, Billy Boyd. Yeah, beautiful voice. Uh, remembering that Denifor asked Pippin to sing him a song when Faramir heads off to war, she resurrected the lyrics from the novel and Boyd came up with the tune for it. Oh mm. Wow. Yeah. Aww. That's pretty cool. Uh, Viggo Mortensen, when he's doing his singing as the king at the end, also came up with the tune for that song as well. Ooh. So, you know, it was a bit of that. It's quite oh, impressive. If you can sing... they talented, can... aren't they? Yeah, if you can sing, they gave you a go, which is quite nice. Um, to get enough extras for the battle at the Black Gate, uh, a few hundred members of the New Zealand National Army were brought in. They were very enthusiastic during the battle scenes, and they kept breaking the wooden swords and spears that they were given for, to rehearse with. Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> for more information about how those soldiers were trained, listen to the interview with Marcello Vulliam, where he talks about how he helped train them. <laughs> and also, I, I did get to ask him, how good are soldiers at being stuntmen? The answer coming in that interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last spoken line of this movie, Well, I'm Back, is also the last line of the book, which, Dan, you commented on at the time and were very happy with. Oh, I, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the line that makes you have the most emotional reaction? Oh, do we have time, Stephen? Um, uh, I I really love Gandalf talking to Pippin um, uh, when they're holed up in one of the levels of Minas Tirith um, and Gandalf's talking about what it's like to die. I think that's gorgeous and wonderful. And the way he does it is just... Mm -hmm. um, uh, I I really like that you bow to no one. Um, And um, I really like... uh, Frodo's, um, the Shire has been saved, but not for me. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. There are many others, but, yeah. but those ones stand out. Yeah. From my own personal experience, um, my uh, fiance Ellen, uh, always gets very emotional at the, the last pages of For You, Sam, uh, line, because she, she just does. Um, so much so that I actually included it in when I actually oh, asked her to marry me. You did. Yes. Oh, you <laughs> fox. Yes. Oh, I remember. Still, I, I remember that. reading that because mm. you guys did like a post about it, yeah. and now I get it. Yes. Oh. I I did not right over my head, but wow. That's yes. Sorry for those playing at home. I proposed using a book. Uh, so uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> extremely romantic. Mm. Well, you know. It was a ring-binded <laughs> book, though. It was. It, it was, was an engagement ring-binder. Ring yeah. yeah. Very deliberately Very chosen. Yeah. That was outside Notre Dame. That, that's really holding up Ooh. well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What? Cursed? What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> mm. Peter Jackson is arachnophobic Oof. and based Shelob's design on the types of spiders he feared the most. Like, that's probably why it is so scary, then. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's horrible. Yeah. Uh, it also most resembles a New Zealand funnel web spider as well. Uh, people have gone through and tried to say which spider it is most like, and apparently that's the one. So Right. I guess that makes yeah. sense. So I'm not interested in them whatsoever. They're <laughs> scary. Um, King Theoden touching the spears of his soldiers before they charge into battle was Bernard Hill's idea. So mm. he just was like, I'm just going to stick my sword out and just... <laughs> 
Yeah. It, like, it would have been fun, but I'm, you commented on it, Dan, uh, it, during it. It sticks out to me all the time. Yeah, it would be a bit painful. Mm. I'd, you'd have a sore wrist after it. And how unfortunate to lop the pointy ends of those spears off <laughs> right <laughs> as you're riding through at the start of the battle. Sorry, oh. do you have spares? No, no, they're spears, my lord. Oh! <laughs> after the premiere in Wellington, New Zealand, <laughs> the city held a party that went on until dawn, funded by the city council to the tune of $400,000. It had street performers, outdoor screenings, an introduction from the then Prime Minister Helen Clark, and a giant mock-up of a Nazgul flying over the Embassy Theatre. Whoa! Nice. In fairness, this movie probably made New Zealand a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, we'll, we'll blow 400000 on this. This yeah. seems like a good idea. Yeah. Um, Viggo Mortensen and Billy Boyd were standing off-camera during Sam's wedding scene, pretending to be wedding guests in order to help Sean Astin perform. Uh, after Sarah McLeod threw her bridal bouquet to Boyd, Mortensen gave Boyd a passionate kiss. <laughs> the filming... Why wasn't that included? <laughs> I know! <laughs> the filming of this scene and the kiss appear in the extended edition DVD extras. There you go. So <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> there are some... Look, it's late tonight, but I am going home and I am watching it. <laughs> uh, there, here are some facts and figures about the trilogy. So we've had a few numbers. We mm-hmm. played the game the other week. How many eggs did the cast eat? Or yes. how many eggs does the cast and crew eat? Um, so here are just some facts and figures. Over 6 million feet of film was shot during production. 48,000 swords, axes, shields, and makeup prosthetics. 20,602 background actors. 19,000 costumes made by the wardrobe department. Those chainmail guys, obviously, oh, yeah. doing all the chainmail. still going. Rubbing off their fingerprints. Uh, 10,000 crowd participants at a New Zealand cricket game to make the Orc grunts, mm-hmm. which we discussed last yeah. week. Um, 2,400 behind-the-scene crew members at the height of production. 1,600 pairs of prosthetic hobbit feet were created. 250 horses used in one scene. 180 computer visual effects artists employed, 114 total speaking roles, 100 real locations in New Zealand used for backdrops, 50 tailors, cobblers, designers, and others in the wardrobe department, 30 actors and actresses trained to speak fictional dialects, and seven total years of development for all three films. Wow. That's a lot of numbers. And really, seven years isn't that long, I guess, for, for all for that For three work. films, yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow. In short... These films were big. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's easy enough to rattle off those numbers, but I think it's it's just the sort of thing where different aspects of the film jump out as going, that took a long time. That's a lot mm. of effort. And the fact that so much was centred around this series of films, I think, just makes it quite special. Yeah, definitely. And how much it's clearly uh, inspired afterwards and, and the length, levels of technology that it upped as well. The steps... Of Sirith Ungol, the ones that Frodo, Sam, and Gollum were called. Oh, yes. oh, sorry, Kirith Ungol. Sorry, sorry, not not a fluent speaker. Um, <laughs> they were crafted out of polystyrene and proved to be very difficult on set for the actors uh, because the steps were obviously very steep, but they were also fragile, so oh, they broke wow. quite a lot. Oh, that would suck. Um, the steps were also sprayed down with water, so. Um, <gasps> Sean Astin and Elijah Wood sometimes got their hobbit feet stuck to the steps <gasps> and had to be pulled off. Oh my god! The amount of money that New Line Cinema reclaimed in tax breaks on the trilogy was ten times more than the annual budget of the New Zealand Film Commission. <laughs> yeah, I easily mm. could believe that. Mm. I think this film, I think the overall like money it made was like more than a thousand percent of what they invested. 
Oh, yeah. Like, it was a massive you, turnover. Yeah. I, I don't know what kind of merchandising things are there, but if you include those and, like, the rights to all the many different games and things like that, yeah, holy hell. Yeah. Um, so we said before the world premiere was in Wellington. This was the only film to have, of the three, to have its premiere in New Zealand. Um, the reason that this happened uh, was because the decision had not technically been made but during the promotional tour of the previous movie, Jackson announced that the producer, Mark Ordesky, had a special surprise for New Zealand fans, <laughs> forcing Ordesky to promise that Wellington would have the premiere. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of doing it. Um, at the end of the film, where Sam goes back home and is greeted by his wife and two children, the oldest child is Sean Astin's real-life daughter. Oh, that's great. And there's a few uh, fun cameos. Um, Actually, I noticed just um, just in that watching that he was, like, really good. He was very good. natural yeah, with her, wasn't really, he? Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's... Well, there you go. It's real nice, but also a little creepy that it's just some stranger's, stranger's kid there. But no, it's... Yeah, cool. mm. um, Henry Mortensen, son of Vigo, is the first orc that Aragon is seeing killing on the Pelennor fields. Really? Yeah. <laughs> So his son, uh, who was a big Lord of the Rings fan, and I think would have been like in his early teens when they were filming these, got to be the first orc that is done. That's so good. I'm happy about that. More (laughs) move over, Sam's daughter. (laughs) And finally, Royd Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien's great grandson, is a Gondorian ranger handing weapons to his fellow soldiers in Osgiliath. So there is a Tolkien in there. That's very nice. Token, token. Yes. Um, so, the the Saruman death scene, the scene with Saruman in it in this film, or not in it, as the case mm. may be, um, Peter Jackson tried to tell Sir Christopher Lee how to react and breathe after he was stabbed in the back. Lee, who, as we've heard, was a World War II veteran with the British Special Forces, assured Jackson <laughs> that he knew what a man sounded like when stabbed oh. in the back. Oof. That's that's rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, he never said who did the stabbing. It, but... it was him. Yeah. <laughs> it was Christopher Lee. It was the guy who played Dracula. It was probably. He was. He, the point is, he knew. So he knew. if you watch that extended edition, that is what a man getting stabbed in the back sounds yeah. like. Yeah. So. Oof. Dan, you're you're shaking. He's your hugging head. himself. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. Speaking of uh, Christopher Lee, he was not amused that his character was cut from the theatrical release. In an interview done after the release of the extended edition DVD, he acknowledged that the makers gave him several arguments for trimming the scene, pacing and time constraints, but in his opinion, none of them justified omitting such an important narrative element. As a result, Lee and Jackson had a brief falling out. <laughs> Lee eventually agreed to appear in uh, the Hobbit prequels as, as mm-hmm. Sarah Mann, and asked Jackson if his scenes had been cut when he was invited to the premiere. <laughs> so he was still a bit sore about it. But yeah. I mean, you would be. Mm. Mm. Speaking of getting stabbed, Frodo Baggins... <laughs> sorry. Uh, when Frodo was stabbed by Shelob, Elijah Wood was actually stabbed by a prop oh, uh, Shelob stinger. <gasps> uh, in extended edition DVD commentary, he and Sean Astin comment that not only was it uh, very painful... It did actually cause some damage to the point that Wood had to stay in hospital for a couple of days. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and he still just does his "I've got rabies" acting face. Well, they despite cut, being well, they cut away, so maybe that was shot on a different day. Right. I okay. did think he looked quite fresh. 
You know when you know when mm. them, uh, Sam came over and opened up his little cocoon. Mm. I did think his face actually looked quite fresh. Mm. But yeah, when they when they did that with the prop, so there you go. Because it, it was a couple him. days later, probably. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah, but he's he was okay, ultimately. So another injury to the injury. Mm. Another one. <sighs> and the final bit of trivia: uh, throughout the trilogy, there are a total of one thousand four hundred and twenty-two deaths. This is the wow. highest in any film franchise. Uh, I, I, I gather that's not counting like the, the collapses of, of the land of Mordor at the end where the whole heap of armies of orcs disappear into the abyss. I am assuming that this is on-screen... Yeah. Mm. Uh, like face-to-face, On-screen, actual sort of actor thing. deaths, yeah. like yeah. not CGI characters. Because yeah, right. people would go, what about in Star Wars when Alderaan gets blown up? You know, that kind of thing. You mm. could go, okay, well, there was probably a few million, billion people on that planet. Mm. Mm. But I think this is the way they count this is on-term deaths Everyone with actual actors. Alderaan. Get, <laughs> get over it. Get over it, man. Stop uh, living in the past. Yeah, it was a long time ago, a galaxy far, far away. When an argument degenerates to someone bringing up Alderaan, I just, I don't know. Okay, well, um, that brings us to the end of the trivia. Brings us to the end of our Lord of the Rings the examination. End. All that remains is to score The Return of the King. Mm. Re, this was your first time watching it. Yeah. What would you give The Return of the King? Ooh, I think I'm going to give Return of the King. I'm going to give it an eight, I think. Um... I think I, I liked it more than I did the second one, mm-hmm. um, but I'm trying to figure out whether I like it just as much as the first one. So, okay. so yeah, it's um, it's eight little baby hobbit hairs <laughs> from me. <laughs> Excellent. It's probably eight hairs is about probably what they come out of the womb. It probably with. is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel, for you, what score would you give The Return of the King out of ten? Um. Oh, look, um, I really, I really liked it. Um, I really still love it. Um, if I had to put a favourite out of the trilogy, it would probably be number one because mm. uh, the the feel of number one is just primo. Um, I really like number two as well. I, I like them all. Mm. It's not. This is not a helpful start. Um, uh, but. Um, while I really liked, especially in this rewatching, the the pacing, and I thought they did a fantastic job with just too much film um, made pretty palatable. Um, I still feel like they like they missed some some crucial elements, and they maybe did a little bit too much of the old CGI fighting. <laughs> so I'm giving it um, eight out of ten epilogue endings. Excellent. <laughs> and, and for me, I agree. I think it's it's. It's a knockout film. I mean, it won 11 Academy Awards. Like, mm. it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do feel as though those awards were more for the trilogy as a whole, though. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, I would do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they went, oh, people really like this. We yeah. should probably, like, award all this effort for this. Yeah. This film represents the effort of the trilogy mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to an extent. Um, I think it's, it's a fantastic conclusion. It does a really good job of continuing that story. And it's got lots of, you know, like, sad partings, um and and dealing with with the consequences of these adventures mm. and i think it handles it really well um i think of the three having just rewatched them again i would say that probably fellowship is still the one that stands out for me mm. as as my favorite um but this is still a fantastic film so i would give the return of the king eight face stabs <laughs> to the witch king of angmar out of 10 because I still I love that scene. 
Yeah. Oh, it's great. Just a one-two. Mary stabbing him in the in the leg. Yeah. And then the I am no man <laughs> collapses in on self. Just also, oh. how cool is it for the evil characters to like explode on their deaths? Yeah. Mm. Like release a big old shockwave, knock people down. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It worked beautifully. Uh, so that is all. For our trilogy specials. So, uh, Dan and Ree, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you. Thank you. A star shines upon the hour of our meeting. Hmm. Is that a Lord of the Rings thing? It is. Okay. And, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ree, thank you very much for joining us for the last three episodes. Thank you. It's, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm so glad that I've actually watched them. And I mm. think it, it took something like this for me to actually commit. So, thank you so much for inviting me. No worries. Coming up next, the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, maybe. <laughs> it's not as good. <laughs> oh, um, I'll check my calendar then. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening into this episode. For more episodes, say, including certain interviews with certain stuntmen uh, that may be coming up, <laughs> make sure that you are subscribed to the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast feed, whether that's through iTunes or SoundCloud or other podcasting and podcatching services. I leave that up to you. Uh, we can be found on Facebook as well for more information about future episodes which are coming up. Uh, go there. You can even leave your own reviews and comments about the films. Uh, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. And also, we have a Patreon. That's right, a Patreon somewhere where special members of the club may get some bonus features, such as getting certain interviews earlier than everyone else. <laughs> uh, if you want all of that, just go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. But that is all for this week. So until next time... Subscribe, you fools! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.